0: So open with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 7. And we just have one verse as our text, but we're going to explain this through some other verses. But let's begin reading a very familiar verse, Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it has caused us to celebrate in this way as we see that there was this night that God became man. That the Savior of the world was born as a baby in a town called Bethlehem. The star shined bright above him. The angels sang as his choir. The shepherds came and worshipped him. Wise men came from the east later and worshipped him. Kings. Lord, still to this day, we celebrate. We know that maybe we don't have the date just right or the time of the year or whatever, but this is the time where we, as your people, we say, praise you, Lord, that you came. You didn't stay far away. You, You weren't unconcerned with the affairs of men, but you came. You were born and you lived and you died. And you resurrected that we might be your people. And so we praise you this morning. Lord, we ask your blessing upon this time as we consider these prophetic texts that told that you would come and how your people then received them. Help us to learn. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Isaiah 7, we we read in verse 14 the actual telling of the sign. But what you want to know from the rest of Isaiah 7 is that war is brewing. Not too much unlike our the day and age you and I live in. I was reading just this morning, uh, Russia is still kind of battering the folks there in the Ukraine. And even when I look around our own country here, I think maybe we're in a, maybe a cold civil war. Something's going on in our country. It's not peace for sure. But here in this time, the kingdom is divided. Israel and Judah. This is God's kingdom, His chosen people and His promised land. They didn't want him for a king, so they chose them a human king. God allowed this, and then over time, that split into two different sides, the north and the south. And here we have the north and the south getting ready to go to war. Ahaz is one of our key characters in Isaiah chapter number 7. He is king in Judah. And then the king from Israel is going to war against him, and he's made an alliance with Syria and plans to overtake Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So you can imagine, this is a time of great anxiety and stress, fear for Ahaz as he thinks, I've got to lead these people and I've got to stop this attack and I've got to do whatever it takes to keep them from taking Jerusalem. Well, the old covenant text that we're in this morning covers God's promise to take care of his people in spite of this pending war. But it also gives new covenant believers a look at the prophecy, which predicted the coming of our savior and the implications that are around that sign that was given let's begin with the first phrase of verse number 14 therefore the lord himself shall give you a sign we understand signs all throughout the scriptures what was god's sign to noah Y'all do have visions of sugar plums dancing in your head. I threw you a softball. I thought, they'll hit this one out of the park, even on Christmas Day. Let's try that one again. What was God signed to Noah? I right. know if you needed to go over to the nursery and look on the walls there. Yeah, God signed to Noah was a rainbow. And what was God signed to Gideon? Yeah, this fleece. This is a thing. This is constant throughout Scripture. We see God working through his word. And then God at times working in special times through signs. Well, he sends Isaiah to Ahaz to comfort him in this regard. Now, don't get the understanding of these verses upside down here. In some places, the humans are struggling. And God says, well, this is what I'm telling you. They say, I'm having a hard time believing that. And they say, well, would you at least give us a sign to prove yourself here? You ever needed that kind of reassurance of your faith? Yeah, that happens sometimes in life. Here, this is the opposite. Ahaz is just doing his thing and God says, I'm going to help. And he sends Isaiah to to say to him, here's how we're going to help. You go tell him this. And while you're telling him this, you tell him. Let him just choose any sign in the heavens or in the earth beneath. And I'll do it just to prove myself to him. Pretty good deal. Wouldn't you like to be Ahaz in that situation? Fairly easy to be the king there. The God of your nation has said to you, I'm going to take care of you and all you have to do. And he said it through his prophet, already a trusted prophet, already a known prophet. And he says, you can pick any sign you want. Very unique. Let's quickly give you these verses. Verse four is God's message to the king. He says, say unto him, take heed, be quiet, fear not. Neither be faint hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of resin in Syria and of the son of Romalia. So four things he says to him there. Take heed. Be aware. Be alert. Be quiet. Quiet yourself. He's not saying shh. He's saying quiet your your inner man. Study to be quiet. The New Testament would say to us there. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't have anxieties here. This this is going to be Okay. And then don't be faint-hearted because of those who are coming at you. The king of Israel and the king of Syria. He said, don't don't worry about these two. What did he call them there? Smoking firebrands? Verse number seven, he says, Thus saith the Lord God, It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. Now just think of something in your life right now. now. Certainly nothing in our lives is on the national level like this and we're not king of Judah. But just think of something in your life and should God send a messenger to you to say, don't fear, this won't stand? That's a good comfort, isn't it? Yeah. Now, let's just put this in context. He has. <laughs> he has sent a messenger. You have his word on it. They pinned it down. He, he won't let it fail. He's let it stand throughout the ages. All we have to do is open it and read it and trust it and believe what it says. But in this instance, Ahaz has sent this messenger who tells him these things specifically. So, chapter 7, verses 4 through 9, we find God allowing Isaiah to tell Ahaz exactly what is going to happen. But there is this stipulation If you will not believe me, you will not be established. This is God's stipulation. Verse number 9, at the end of the verse there, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. So take heed, be quiet, don't be afraid, don't be faint-hearted. This will not stand, it will not come to pass. But if you don't believe me, Ahaz, you're going to be cut off from this promise. Now I want you to think of this from God's perspective. He's telling him the future. He says, this is what's going to happen. I've sent my prophet to tell you about it beforehand. If you just believe, you will prevail and you will be established. It's a simple choice. MacArthur writes here in his notes, he says, the choice belonged to Ahaz. He could trust the Lord's word or fall into the enemy's hands or even worse, experience a final heart hardening. And he's right. And we understand this from this perspective. But from Ahaz's perspective, there is a second option. That is always the human perspective because of our, Brother Scott, he said, our depraved, fallen nature. The human option is, no, this, I'm going to do what I think is best and I'm going to operate in my wisdom. And if things go as I've planned them, then it'll be all right. And I want you to understand Ahaz is not one who's seemingly operating in rebellion to God. We're going to see in just a moment that he religiously speaks as if trying to be right by God. Sproul says here, the threat to Ahaz's kingdom provides him an opportunity for him to trust in God and see God deliver him. Faith means knowing God's promise, assenting to it intellectually, and trusting him to keep it. Does the king know his promise? Well, yes, he does. Can he assent to it intellectually? He should be able to, but we're going to find that he struggles with that. So he can't trust God to keep it. What about you, Christian? On this day of all days, Christmas, or what about on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Day? How are you in your faith? It means knowing God's promise, it means coming to it intellectually and then trusting God to keep His promise. How do you do with that? I'm not going to make you answer, but I'll answer for myself. I often struggle. I often have to bring myself back to the Word and read what it says and then say, Lord, I believe. Please help my unbelief. As confirmation, then, we already said God asked him, just ask for a sign. Look at verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in depth or in height above. In the depth or in the height above. So ask Ask anything. It's as if God says to him here, and this is sort of in a smirky kind of a way, ask anything within my sovereignty and I'll do it. Well, what does that leave out? Nothing. Surprisingly, we have verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. Here he gets religious. Neither will I tempt the Lord. In disobeying God... He still talks in a religious way. I'm going to meddle just for a minute. All right, pick, You can pick your feet up off the floors. I'm not trying to get your toes. But I, but I have to say this on a Christmas Sunday morning. Why are you here this morning? Did you come here to worship or did you come because you're religious and you said, oh, it's Christmas. I got to be at church on Christmas. That wouldn't have been easier. I'd have I really hit some toes last night. Christmas Eve usually draws, draws a crowd of not regular worshipers. I'm glad you're here. And I don't mean to scorn you for being here, but I'm going to encourage you, don't be like this guy. And while openly disobeying God, he says religious things to make it seem as if he's still a a godly king. And he's just not. Just be the godly king. Be the godly father. Be the godly husband. Be the godly leader of your home. Be the godly mother, the, the godly son and daughter. Whoever it is that God has made you to be, Be that for the Lord. Leave religion aside. Now, is he right? Would this be to tempt the Lord? We do find that a thing throughout the scriptures. In fact, there are verses that says, Jesus quoted it. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But in this instance, he's wrong because God has come to him and said, ask for a sign, whatever you like, and I'll give you one. So this is not to tempt the Lord. This is to obey the Lord and ask for the thing God has given him. Well, instead, he chooses to trust in other things. Now, the prophet Isaiah's recording here doesn't tell us the other things. But we have the Chronicles of the Kings and we have the, the books of the Kings. In 2 Kings chapter number 16, verse 7, you find the story of Ahaz there. And you find that he's reaching out to the Assyrian king during this time, and he's asking for help against Israel and Syria. So his logic is sound. Israel and Syria are coming to war against me, so if I can get Assyria to alliance with me, we can at least stand against them even-handedly or maybe even beat them. Here's what's sad. If you read 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 7, maybe write that one down or make a note for it later, you find that he comes across in a very wimpy way. He writes to the king of Assyria, and he says, If you'll come help me in my time of trouble, I will be a son to you. And then he goes even further and he says, Or better yet, I'll even be your slave. What is he saying? In disobedience to God, who has offered me a promise and will prove it with a sign, I'll choose instead to alliance myself with the world, even if it means being the world's slave. What a horrible thing. What a horrible way to live. And God doesn't want him to live this way. God sent his man with his word and says, I'm going to take care of this. Don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. This is not going to stand. You can even ask me for a sign and I'll prove it to you. All the while, he's writing this letter. And he says, I don't want to tempt God. We get that way sometimes, don't we? I I don't want to bother God with my little problems. Know what that really means is I'm too prideful to humble myself before God. <laughs> A little deep for Christmas, isn't it? A little thick in the air here. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Amen. It's not unique for us to find humans trusting in their own wisdom instead of God's. But it's hard for us to read how this plays out. Given God's direct communication to Ahaz, and I know somebody's sitting here this morning because I I did this week as I was working on this. Somebody's sitting here this morning and saying, "Well, if God sent Isaiah directly to me like that, I might act differently." But like church, you gotta you gotta come around to where you are here. You are new covenant believers. God has sent; like it's pinned down. Like he, they didn't. They, Ahaz didn't have this. I mean, as a king, he had some scrolls maybe, but. We're blessed we have the Holy Spirit inside us to illuminate the word to us. God tells him the future. He tells him not to be afraid. He sends this final assurance through any sign. But Ahaz still chooses to act in his own wisdom while speaking religiously about it. I will not test God by asking for a sign. Now, thankfully, as God always does, he acts despite human foolishness. Aren't you glad in your life that God acts in spite of your human foolishness? Praise the Lord. Verse 13, and he said, hear you now, O house of David. Now that's a change. Who has God been speaking to up to this point? Ahaz. Who is he speaking to now? Ahaz's kingdom. He bypasses the king and he speaks to the kingdom. What does this mean for Ahaz? You're cut out. He said, if, you, if you'll obey me and I'll give you a sign to help you, you'll stand. But if you will not, the end of verse number nine, you will not be established. And just that quick, he is not established. God has cut him out of the way. Now, you go to Matthew chapter number one. Guess who you find there in the lineage of Christ? You still find King Ahaz. He still exists in the bloodline. But at this moment in time, his rule is, is, is all but over. So God speaks to the house of David. He speaks to the nation of Judah. He says, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but you will weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son in you, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So to the house of David, to the nation, he tells them he will give them a sign. Ahaz wouldn't choose this sign of God's sovereignty. Think of what this meant. God said, in the height or above or in the, in, in the depth, and then think about what well, we know the sign actually came to be. Brother Preston already read it to us. Brother Scrandi already read it to us. He could have asked, okay, Lord, King of Judah, let there be a bright star over Bethlehem, big enough that I could see it from Jerusalem. I'd like for that to be a sign. Well, that's what God did when the birth of Jesus came. He could have asked, Lord, why don't you let angels come down to earth and sing this message to shepherds. And if they'll report that to me, I'll believe you. That's what God did. He said, he could have said, why don't you let miraculous things happen on the earth? Give sight to the blind. Give hearing to the deaf. Let those who can't walk, walk again. In fact, let them leap. That's what God did. Instead, God chose for him. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. And in God's choosing, he accomplished all these things just through what he said there. Behold, I will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. Sadly, Ahaz is left out this time. And this is a great principle for us to understand. We can refuse what God is sharing with us, but this will not prevent him. It will only prevent us from what he is doing what side do you want to be on i grew up we used to sing this song yes i'm on the winning side i am on the winning side no more in sin will i abide who 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 knows this song has sang this song in church okay some of us now i know who the fundamentalists are in the group watch out for these legalists you people no i'm just kidding i want to be on that side well, what is it that God is doing? Let's continue in the verse. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Here's what, here's what it is. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's the sign God chose. Now, if you go on reading Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah chapter number 9. Now, don't get me wrong here. This is probably not like after dinner prescribed reading on Christmas Day. Okay? Don't go home and do that to your family. You get to reading through chapter number 8 and it's... It's pretty vague, and you could use the prophet there to, to help you understand. Now, wait, wait, what did you mean, Isaiah, when you said that? I'm going to give you the key verses this morning in those three. But, but if you read those three, you're going to find that this child born would be an eternal ruler on the throne of David. Syria, Israel, no one would conquer David's kingly line permanently. Outside of the miraculous, there's also wording here to insulate God's Promise, and I want to show that to you here, but I don't want us to skip over the miraculous. The miraculous in, in this promise, this sign is the virgin birth. Warren Wiersbe emphasizes this well. He says the virgin birth of Christ is a key doctrine. For if Jesus Christ is not God come in sinless human flesh, then we have no savior. Jesus had to be born of a virgin apart from human generation because he existed before his mother. I'd never thought of that until I read Dr. Rearsby there, but that is a unique thing. Jesus existed before his mother. (laughs) But I still want you to see that that's the miraculous. And You you could just take a whole Christmas day or a whole Christmas season and and talk about the, the, the wonder and the miracle and the majesty of the virgin birth of Christ. But that aside, I want you to see something else in this miracle here. In saying that this child would be virgin born what is being said there there will be no earthly father that's very important i mean we understand it in in our day just on the the makeup of the home but but we're very i don't want to call us liberal i'll offend some of you but we're more progressive that's even worse isn't it (laughs) we've come a long way baby (laughs) but in that day a female outside that male uh, headship was just was a tough thing so when God says here that a virgin shall conceive yes there's the miraculous but there's also the practical here that is is stating something there's not going to be an earthly father and I don't just mean this in the sake of the anatomy I mean this in the sake of like nameship kingship How could he be the one from the line of David when one of David's sons is not his dad? This is problematic. What is God doing here? Well, we know what God is not doing because we know that he is unchangeable, right? The immutability of God. We know that he's not changing. It's not like he's saying, oh, that's Ahaz, you've ruined it. This is the end of the Davidic covenant. It's not what God's doing there. So we got to understand it as something else. And some of you already started rolling your eyes at me. You're like, come on, buddy. You're taking the long way. We know where this ends up. I know, but it's fun. Theological exploring here. Where did this babe get his name? Well, you read the text there, and the mother is told to name him, right? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, that's unheard of. In fact, It's improper. You go even up, I mean, like I think 700 years ahead in the timeline here, maybe 400, I think it's 700 to the birth of Jesus. And you have the birth of John. Remember his John the Baptist, his dad can't speak for a time. And they're waiting on what are you going to name the son? Finally, when he can speak, he says his name is John. And I love on it's on uh, like the nativity, the movie, the nativity that you can watch at Christmas time. I like that movie. The people, had, they, I don't know that this is strictly biblical, but I, I'm sure it happened because of humans. The people like went from looking at the dad to immediately looking at the mom. Like, are you going to stand for this? His name is John? What a Greek Gentile type name. We're conquered by the Romans, but we're Hebrew. His daddy's name is Zechariah. His name should be Zachariah, Or Mephibosheth, or Rehoboam, or, you know, Something. Not enough syllables, John? John, it's plenty of syllables for now. No offense. The dad, though, had the authority. But here the mother is told, you give him the name. Think about what's actually happening there. Who is telling her to name him Emmanuel? God through Isaiah. So what is he communicating there? God is His Father. Oh, isn't that great? It just melts me at Christmas. There would be no earthly father. The father would not be a covenant receiver or a covenant keeper. The father would be the covenant maker. This is God's sign. This is God's way of saying, I will bring peace on earth, goodwill to men. Because I myself in the form of my son will be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die for my people, stay alive, redeem them to myself and rule and reign with them as prophets and priests and kings. Which is exactly what we read happening in Christ's first advent. Let me read to you from Luke chapter one. We've already quoted some of this together. Verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. This is the angel Gabriel sent to Mary, saying, Fear not. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. That was God's sign. Ahaz, don't you worry about Syria. Don't worry about, I think the guy's name is Pekah or Pekah. I don't know how to pronounce it there the Israelite king. Don't worry about him. There'll be no end of this kingdom. Luke chapter 2, as the angels speak to the shepherds on this night, they use similar wording. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And what do the angels go on to say there? You've been through Miss Wiggins Sunday School class, you better know what the angels say right there. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ahaz asked for a sign. No, I don't want to test God. Well, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. And what do the angels come down singing? This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Matthew 1, 22 through 25 says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. The, the year is coming to an end here. Some of you, if you, if you think like me, you've, you've already started in. I started this morning thinking of, oh, there was these things I was going to get done before the end of the year. Whew, this is the last Sunday of the year. And I already started feeling the pressure of, I've got to get this done this week. The Family's coming in and we've got holidays and all this stuff going on. Well, this had to be done for us to be reunited with our God. God got it done. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord, by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. This is God's way of showing his people that they needn't fear. He would send an eternal king to establish them forever. Well, who would this king be? And why should just another king bring them eternal hope? Well, that's the end of verse 14. And call his name Emmanuel. God with us. In the immediate context, even God is with us. Or God will be with us. This is what Israel had come to know about their God. In times that weren't his judgment reigning on them. But just times where they had to go to war. And they were right with their God. Their God would be with them. But God himself, in this instance, would once more be their king. This was God's sign of hope. To his people. Calvin said here, the only begotten Son of God clothed himself with our flesh and united himself to us by partaking of our nature. He is therefore called God with us or united to us, which cannot apply to a man who is not God. This is the very thing Ahaz was denying. He feared God was not with them. And he took steps on his own to act outside of God's sovereignty. God's sign. His message to his people was to reiterate he was with them. He would never leave them and he would never forsake them. In Isaiah's message, we are foretold about Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Though King Ahaz acted in rebellion and wickedness, the Lord continues to show his mercy. Derek Thomas says he promised to deliver born in a way no one has been born before or since to make sure that his word would stand. Boy, it did. Jesus came into the world to deliver us from Satan's power. Knowing Christ is to know his presence and his power in our lives. It is God with us. Without him, we have no hope. So on this Christmas day, I leave you with this. God rest you married gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power while we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Amen. You are listening to and obeying God. This is exactly the promise the birth of Christ brings us. But if you're like Ahaz and others just like him and decide to stay put in your human wisdom... Well, you can expect to be cut off. God offered great grace and mercy to this king. But in the moment of choice and disbelief for him, and he chose other, God just, he, he didn't play games. He just went on. Well, Isaiah goes on to say in chapter 9, verse 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen great light. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever because the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. Let's stand together. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.